Thank you for coming out. Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I am so excited to be here. In 2015, I founded the Queer Improv Show, Thank You for Coming Out, or TIFCO as we call it, and it is now one of the longest-running queer improv shows in New York City. During the show, our storytellers share their coming out stories, and then our improvisers bring them to life. The podcast is a little different. We still have a storyteller share their stories, but instead of folks improvising, we talk about them. And I'm so excited about my guest here with me today. Um, I've known her for so long. We we're trying to figure out how long and we'll do math later on the show as well. <laughs> uh, but Katie Mack, we call her Mack. She, her pronouns is an overly tattooed queer AF creative human in recovery who loves other creative humans. NYC based. She is the producer of the 2021 Webby award-winning narrative podcast, Fucking Sober, the first 90 days available on all podcast platforms. She is also a professional actor, writer, and dramaturg. Her company, Somehow 9am Productions, helps to develop and produce all levels and styles of storytelling. Follow her wild, sober life choices on Instagram at MackersNYC or MacStage.com. I will tag and link all of those things. Mac, how the heck are you? That just makes me feel so much better about myself when we put me in a paragraph. Mm. And like, it's like, oh, like those are some good things about me. And today I'm sort of like, I'm coming off a weekend of... I don't know if everyone can identify of just feeling like a real loser. Mm. I don't know. I don't, it's just, I just feel like capital L to the forehead, 90 style loser. And I think, yep, that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This the strong L yep. <laughs> if you're listening yeah, go ahead and give yourself the strong L. It's just yeah. like really brings you back. And, um, and I know like right through my mental health journey, like I know that this too shall pass, but it just feels so real and it's fine right? Like it's totally fine to feel this way. And it's totally fine to kind of be in this in-between space. It really is because I'm going into my next project and there are a lot of unknowns and I can't control it. And that's really it. But I think, yeah, like after this weekend and yesterday, I just feel like a, like the, like a big L loser. So that's Mm. where we're at today. Well, thank you for Telling me. I mean, I really relate. Sort of I'm strong. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, you know, I always, you know, when you ask someone how they are, they're like, good. But like, I'm glad you were honest. <laughs> like, I feel like a big That's loser. Well, and here's why. Because <laughs> it's so important to have transparency, I think. And I, there's so much that I think gets lost when we are trying to relate to one another, that it's refreshing to have someone be like, here's actually the honest truth about how I'm feeling. Um, I can relate to this loser feeling. Um, I had some, a friend text me on Friday and say, Hey, I have a friend who reached out who wants to set you up with my friend. And I was like, so excited. And so this was like a true, just like matchmaking. Yeah. Matchmaking. And then I get a text this morning, uh, from the, from not my friend, but the connector and was like, sorry, this one's not going to work out. It's like, I didn't even meet you. And I'm rejected. (laughs) Like talk about capital L loser. I'm like, are you serious? And so therefore. I'm with you. I feel like a, a real turd. And here we are. You got dumped before you could even get dumped. Right? It's like, come on. It's not even fair. <sighs> it's not fair. 
but right. We know, we know it just makes space for the thing that's supposed to come along. I mean, right. Like, unfortunately I'm like mentally stable ish. Uh, I feel like that's a a status. It's on a spectrum. Everything's on a spectrum and being Mm. mentally stable is on a spectrum. Yeah. But I'm also, so I'm in recovery because I'm sober because God, I'm, when I'm not sober, I'm just horrific. But, um, uh, so I, through my journey of sobriety, believe in, um, believe in God, like little G God, um, who I've called Kevin, who's actually a koala. It's a whole thing. Um, but, um, but I say that to be like, I was going to say Kevin, and it wouldn't make any sense. I was going to say Kevin makes space for all of these things in our life. And like, you've been on the planet long enough to now kind of go on the right days, go like, yeah, if this didn't happen, then this wouldn't have happened. And this wouldn't happen, which is different than everything happens for a reason. Right. It's just mm-hmm. like things follow each other like dominoes in some weird way. And now I'm like really excited because I'm like ready for you to like share on the podcast in like six months like yo so tuesday morning got this text but then and i'm already like i'm stoked there's so much hope uh i just gotta keep you around in my pocket and just like (laughs) as a reminder of making space for the you know for what's meant to be yeah it's it you know and like intellectually everything you're saying checks out i'm with you and then in my heart it's like you're still a loser (laughs) (laughs) but you know I digress. <laughs> so Mac, we met, we were trying to figure out like 10 years ago, eight years ago. Was it, it was during a stand-up class. Is yeah. I'm right? trying to think it was a, a musical improv. It was musical oh, improv. oh, it was musical improv. You're right. Uh, uh, and I know that because I, well, I think I know that because I think I've taken, you know, unlike you, um, I'm not good at improv. Uh, uh, and so I, I mean, I know it takes practice, but I can't suffer through it. Um, and, uh, and I really, really, really did enjoy the class and just thought you were so fucking talented, um, which was lovely and so fun, right? It's so fun to watch people do what they're supposed to do. Mm. Um, and also just like learned a lot in that class from a lot of really talented people, um, just by like, uh, but I would think it was, I moved to New York in 2012 after my second DUI, I moved to New York because I couldn't be anywhere else um you know the really the best transportation system in the world and also I was set to be an actor which is Mm. different than being a star and uh and I I I think I actually signed up for that class before I moved that's why I think it's 2012 13-ish because I I have this vague memory but I might be making it up I have this vague memory of signing up for that class when I was still working at a theater company in the midwest called the purple rose great little theater company jeff daniels is uh, hometown and og company who his son runs it now um mm. and then uh i feel like i signed like one of the i was like if i sign up for these classes then i'll have to move because 300 dollars is a lot of money <clears throat> in new york it means nothing but at the time it meant a lot um it's like a week of my paycheck so yeah but i i just i really i always i had taken my my like introduction to acting in general was at Second City really um in Chicago taking some classes there and working in the education sort of like department um and then but i just you know i just really i want to do what improvisers do it feels like magic it is like real life magicianship <clears throat> that's a word um it is and uh all words and in <laughs> Amen. Damn, yeah. so real. That's so real. <laughs> so real. Um, and we give them power. Um, and uh yeah, so I I just have a very I have a very strong memory of you just thriving. And for those of you who have not seen Dubs perform, 
I mean, it's just like the most effortless thing ever. And we were just in a class together. So I imagine if you've gotten the chance to see them perform live, it's just a gift. And my biggest regret of being on this podcast is that I'm not witnessing the show that could be happening. Mm. I mean that, well, you know, this is the, the updated version. They, we make improvisers listen to the awkwardness of the show and then they have to improvise from the pot. It's just, it's very meta <laughs> improvise from the podcast and then my dreams come true. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for your nice words. Um, I miss improvising. One of the things that I'm missing the most right now is because my voice is dropping because I'm on T that yeah. whenever I talk and for sure sing my voice cracks like Peter Brady. And so I like can't sing right now in a way that would feel delicious on stage. And so I'm waiting. So that I miss it, fair. but thank you. Um, well, Sewell, Sewell's, I was going to say sultry, soft tones from this voice dropping is coming straight through to the radio. So you got a voice for radio, baby. Thank you. <laughs> my, one of my memories of you and I, this has really stuck with me is no. when I was like, and this is why I think maybe I said we met in, in standup was because I, for, for like a year, a year and a half, I was like very into standup and mm. thought that I was, you know, they make it seem like you're like doing well, where they're like, come to this showcase, come to this showcase. This is an HBO showcase. And I'm like, Ooh, I'm in an HBO showcase. When really what it is, is they like make you invite like a certain number of people. hundred percent. thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. But you came. Oh yeah. You came to one of my, st- you came to at least one. And I just remember oh, yeah. being like, that is so nice. It was so nice. It has stuck with in my, it's stuck in my heart. It's oh, so I, nice. I, uh, it is no secret to me. There, there, God gave me very few gifts, but one of them is to be able to fall asleep anywhere. And the second one is that when I really like people, I just, I like, like them. And it's just like very simple. It's very like childish. just like little kids. I'm like, Oh, I like you. And then like, when I can, I like showing up is just like my love language. So like I, cause I'm self-centered, flex my own love, love language and show up. Um, which I think also, right. It juxtaposed with New York, which is just, it's not that people don't want to show up. It's just hard. It's so much hard. harder. Yeah. Yeah. Like leave your house and go into the world of New York and go to yet again, another thing that could be terrible. Yeah. But, well, which makes it that much more special when people show up. Well, I mean, I'm so glad that 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 resonated because that's the point to show and support you. So I yeah. love that that felt good. Oh, yeah. It still feels I still it still feels good <laughs> when Damn. I'm feeling like a Damn. real loser. I'm like, but Matt came to my show 10 years ago. <laughs> it was so nice. <laughs> I didn't just I didn't just show up at your show. I enjoyed your show. You know, yeah. I love performers. I think that's like in this industry of creativity. There are actually a lot of people that don't like other creatives. And I just find that so wild. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you be a TD and hate actors or how can you be a director and hate actors or hate is, there, writers? is it like competition or is it jealousy or what, what is it? I don't know. I think it's like not being able to wield them in the way that they want or something like it's not, I think we think of maybe creative arts as either collaborative or not like an improv is obviously so collaborative. Like you're, you can't do it by yourself. You can't. And also like, you can't do most creative things by yourself, but I think people think of them as segmented and just like many, many other things, there's like a system set in place in mm. order to keep us not thriving. And I think it trickles down in a lot of ways. Right. I mean, yeah, that's really, it. but also like in the arts, it's just so silly. And, and also finding your people to make stuff with is really hard. Yeah. It's finding your people in general is really hard. Finding the, the people you want to, make sweet love to the people you want to like 
hang out with all the time, the people you want to call your family, the people you want to make stuff with, that's like a, that's hard. And it's sometimes it's exhausting. Um, and then, and then, yeah, I think people get into this industry because they have a propensity for it, Mm -hmm. but then maybe they just, I don't know. There's a lot of people that don't like a lot of aspects of it and they're not wrong. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stuff about this world that I am, I get so, I call it bratty. I get really bratty about because I find myself often like overcorrecting to like the other end, like not, it's not devil's advocate, but I'm like angrier than I should be. Um, because I want to make space for that frustration. It's sort of like, um, people are like, I love wicked. Right. And I'm like, wicked is great, but also like, I'm fucking over it. Can we just Mm. stop the run and like make a whole different story or like, why is it crazy that wicked's been on stage for 10 years and uh, we have the first black Linda finally, like, like, it's not like, it's not like exciting that that happened. It's like, what's wrong with you? Like why, like, that's like, that's a, like, why are we, it's, it's amazing that, uh, you know, this person has struggled through this long to sort of be able to make it on, on stage, but whatever, that kind of stuff. I, I just, I overcorrect in every way. Um, and that's, that's because I'm just really bored with commercial theater and really bored with commercial film and television. Like there's a show out old man. Do you know, old man? Mm-mm. Oh, it's about, uh, it's a, it's Jeff Bridges and John Lithgow, like two incredible actors. And it's really just like a masturbatory white male um, spy show that people are going nuts about on, on um, Netflix. And it's just like some old man beating up young guys before he dies because it's like a death, you know, it's like dying death. I'm just bored. I don't want to see that. So I just, I, I say things that are bratty. That's my bratty voice when I'm like, mm. that's stupid. And, and I think of that as like a teenager when they're like, mom you're dumb or like i'm only gonna wear black or like these like sort of like declarations and i think we sort of have to do them in order to like combat the other things and then we can soften up a little bit i don't really know if that's the right way to go about doing things but it's it it feels it feels like there may not be another way yeah but maybe but i'm also disagreeable i don't know (laughs) well i mean it resonates that you know i in the work that I do as an educator and as a facilitator, I see a lot of, uh, you know, like similarly to what you're saying of, um, you know, like organizations or people celebrating things where it's like, well, where have you been this whole time? It's, it's like, so weird. you know, it's, and, and it's, and I, I want to hold space. Like everyone's on this journey and it takes them their own time and et cetera. And then the, the bratty part of me is like, yeah, but like, I've been saying this for years and years and years and years. And you're only now just like showing up fine. Welcome. And like, we got a lot of work to do. So let's keep moving. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, and then also like, let's keep moving and then let's make stuff that actually reflects it. Let's not try to like, yeah, take this old thing and just like I don't know colorblind cast it and be like we did it we did the work no man get rid of it go if I never see music man again that's totally fucking fine if bye bye birdie gets blacklisted that sounds great like I don't want to ever it's I don't I don't need it anymore and if I accidentally produce children or get responsible for some children like I I don't they don't need to be exposed to that it's boring I'm bored I'm bored but you know, I say that I think I'm relatively whatever, but then, you know, there's plenty of people teaching me that I'm stuck in my ways too, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of undoing that has to happen with all of us. Uh, oh, thank God we have the energy for it. Right. 
<laughs> CBD. Um, I just, <laughs> yes. I mean, yes, yes, yes. Um, all right, Mac, we all have coming, uh, multiple coming out stories, multiple coming into ourself stories. And so I would love to hear one of your, one of your stories. Yeah, it's, it's so, I have the most privileged story ever. So I think we can title this episode, the most privileged story ever. Um, I grew up with parents who had a style of parenting called not parenting. And that's not a joke. They literally will to this day say they have a style of parenting called not parenting where they just, I think even from where they sit, we're just like, we can't control our children. And so we'll sort of a little like Montessori-esque without the Montessori love. Uh, cause I think Montessori's love is like, my children are interesting and I want to watch them grow. My parents are just like, they'll figure it out. Um, not in a harsh way, but just more in a like realistic living way. Um, uh, we'll also get to the fact that like, I have a complicated relationship with my parents, but, um, I, but I have always, I like, don't like everyone sort of has a memory of when they realized that, um, maybe being gay or queer was an option that like, right. We are spoon fed this kind of Disney het relationship. And then, and then there's like an aha moment where, you know, I don't know, either they hated it or they loved it or whatever. It just was, it was an option. And I just remember learning about learning about someone's um, family member, like an uncle being gay and having, having two uncles. That was really it. And me just going, yeah, that makes sense. Like it wasn't, it wasn't confusing at all. And so that was sort of like my first step into always thinking it was an option. And I'm a more is more person. Like I'd rather have a big bag of popcorn than one tiny square of dark chocolate. And I have always just seen it as an option. And so I was always, and also, um, so like from the time, like, I think like sexuality really started to blossom in terms of physical touch uh, amongst people. Um, I was immediately like the person that you hooked up with the only two lesbians at the other schools. It was like, you got to meet, you know, anybody who like was in high school as like the, I mean, queer was not the word and we'll talk about the word for me as the bi girl or the gay girl. Um, you were hooked up with me. Um, and I had two options. Um, and I, uh, dated, uh, dated somebody in high school for an on again, off again, on again, off again time, um, while also dating men. And really for me, I was always a tomboy and I, I always, always, always hung out with, with men, with, with het men. And, um, and so it was like really cool for me to talk about. It was really cool and also fetishized for me to talk about my attraction to women. Um, but really, I guess like, so it was, it was, it was just this, it just was like kind of with my friends, but my coming out to my parents was my uncle had a wife, they are now divorced, who was kind of mean spirited. And I don't think she's mean, but I think she's just a little, she like likes to stir things up. Um, they are now divorced. Uh, I think it's the best. Um, but, uh, she noticed that on my Facebook, which I got in college, I put interested in men and women. And so she called my mother and she like told her. And so my mom and the way that she does was like, um, so aunt, I'll leave her name out, um, uh, told me that 
because uh, I just talk shit about her. Uh, she told me <laughs> that, you know, you have met, my mom had this awful way of like trying to like, she was the mom who was always like, so are you seeing someone? And there's something about that tone of voice when you're like any age uh, that you're just like, I hate you. Um, so, so, so like she started the tone of voice and I was just like, ugh, like, uh, and I just said something like, yeah, duh. And that was the end of it. And then I realized that my parents would be fine with it when my younger brother who, uh, sort of had asexual tendencies or just had never had a partner. My, my parents were like, you know, up to a certain point, I think he was like 25. He's younger. He's three years younger than me. Um, just had never had a, any sort of partner, even kind of flippantly. Um, and my, my parents said like, you know, they were just in the way that parents are concerned. They were like, you know, I, if that's his decision, that's fine. But if he's like gay and afraid to come out, we just want to let him know that we love him. And they had, they'd shared that with me, which is also very reflective of my parents and able to sort of like have these conversations with me but it was like lovely to hear it through this, them reflecting on my younger brother. My younger brother happens to be not gay and just uh, on his own path um, and has had relationships since, but um, kind of neither here nor there. But that was, that's really social media. Let me out myself, uh, which I think actually translates to a coming into myself because although something like Facebook allowed me to say I was interested in men and women, I very much after college or during college rejected being called bisexual. I really didn't like the fetishizing of it. I didn't like that every party meant that uh, even it was sweet and often very kind. Um, Somebody probably in a het relationship, uh, a woman in a het relationship would be like, I don't know. I just think you're so cute. I'm like, can can, like, and it was like always in the presence of other men and not that people had been overtly disrespectful, but it just was so clear And then also watching potentially, and this might be unfair, um, other women identify as bisexual in order to get male attention. And again, there's no reason, there's nothing wrong with getting attention. Um, I just really didn't like the, I I guess I think the word is fetishizing of it or sort of what I sort of looked at as like, it felt yucky, felt like disingenuine. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started to say that I was heterosexual and I often had sex with women. And then I, that often led me to being in het relationships. And then I realized like, oh, like maybe, maybe it it would be a co-opting of something if I even tried to identify as anything else. Um, And then that'll always just be, and then, you know, I've always had trouble with understanding monogamy and feeling uh, like I wanted to be in a monogamous relationship, but it really came to a head uh, from 2019 to or so from 2018 to 2021, I was beginning of 2021. I was in a, I was in the most heteronormative relationship I've ever been in. So every other relationship I'd been in that involved men, they knew about that I had been with, slept with other women, that I had had relationships with women and not just women, but all different types of people. Um, and that, that was, uh, easy for me and interesting for me and something that, and that it wasn't like, it wasn't something to be fetishized, <laughs> not something to be threatened by, but also not something to be fetishized. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have always really didn't have a whole lot of patience for it. And then, um, and then, uh, after I got into this, what I thought was the relationship and I could not have been more normal for the first time I was in a heterosexual relationship with a male 
who wanted to have a family, who wanted to get a home with me, who wanted to get married, who wanted to be monogamous, who wanted to fulfill every single thing that I thought I was supposed to be when I was three. And I didn't say anything to threaten that because suddenly it made me nervous that this thing, that this person who had chosen me, right? We all want to be chosen. Um, who chose me and who was just so attractive and lovely, whose family I got ingratiated immediately after we started dating. Um, and I, all I had to do was wait, wait to be chosen. And, um, it was already weird that I was an actor and a creative, but, um, uh, that was really, that made me like the interesting black sheep. Um, and then coming out of that, it was like, damn, that was awful. When we broke up, man, I was so codependent. I could barely breathe. It was ridiculous. But, you know, God gives you these little gifts. And it sent me on a big, 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 big journey. And it just became obvious very quick. And during that time, the word queer had entered into my sphere in a way that started to make more sense to me. Obviously, it's a word that had been used before. And actually, I think growing up, queer meant like, like strange, like weird, mm-hmm. you know, um, right. Like growing, I, I grew up in a world where like, I, I, you know, I can't imagine what it would have been like to be, you know, totally outwardly like a, a an outward, an, uh, an out gay male. I actually didn't know any gay men growing up. Um, but, uh, you know, right. The, the term, you know, oh man, that's so gay, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, me obviously meaning bad, but also in a culture that I think wasn't afraid of gay people. So that like strange space where like, it's not like, that's not, if, if you were in that category and listening to that, that stuff, it could only be harmful, but that people thought they were being, you know, you know, oh, I'm, I'm inclusive or whatever. Um, and so, so whatever the word queer for me came into the space and it came across my desk because of social media. And I started to be like, oh God, this feels so much yummier than bi. And I really had, and also more and more getting clear that I'm not just attracted to women like that and, and men, right. I'm attracted to, you know, the spectrum of genders that are now God, so vast and beautiful and interesting and exciting. Really. I'm, I'm very attracted to honesty. And so when people have a a really strong um, relationship to honesty, uh, that that's what I'm into. And I guess like, I think, right. If we're going to keep coding this, we call it pan. I was just like, pan isn't nearly as sexy to me as queer. Um, and I also just, I think like queer continues to permeate for me and start to like umbrella this idea of maybe, uh, non-monogamy, um, like poly, uh, viewpoint on love. Um, so really in that, and that coming into myself, which is language that I just love, um, because there was never any coming out. Like I just was never, I've never been in a world where that's been threatening, um, but coming into myself, uh, I really happened after very shortly after my relationship ended January, 2021. And then I had basically multiple opportunities to, to then like flex and talk and date and talk about it and, you know, set my settings and see my peeps and, and have these conversations. And it was, it is one of these things where I think a lot of my friends went from, setting me up with just het men to setting up with like people across the board um, to give me more opportunities to get rejected, you know? So that was so (laughs) kind of them. Um, (laughs) 
but that is like I think you know that it's really uh rather it's like soft and subtle and a little boring um and that just is a reflection of like my privilege I mean really um and like a lot of things because everything had been so high functioning for me like my sobriety had been high functioning uh like you know my sex sex life and sexual identification internally had always been so high functioning I never was forced to do one thing or the other you know until it became too difficult for me not to be this thing. Um, and now it's just really, it feels so, so good to kind of be all of the things that use language, made up language yeah. um, <laughs> to, to get clearer about how I want to, you know, be seen um, and how I want to function in the world. Um, yeah. That's it. Thank you for sharing. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you, you bring up this idea of like not ever really having to come out. It just kind of was a coming into. And I've been thinking a lot about the, the idea of coming out in general. And is this becoming like outdated? And do I need to rethink the entire branding of my whole thing? You know, of like... <laughs> should we even be positioning people to have to come out? Right. And I think there's a balance. <laughs> of, so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of like there are, and I had, I had someone reach out to me recently um, who I haven't spoken to since, I don't know, 2008 um, question, not questioning in a negative way, but questioning the language that I used around coming out as trans and like, doesn't that imply mm-hmm. like negative <laughs> negativity? And I was like, yeah. It does mm. like, um, it can't, for me, yeah. It does. yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. like, for me, I struggled so deeply in the closet that like coming out is celebratory, you know, but for some people it's not that. And so it's like, you know, there's nuance to everything. Um, and we can't, you know, just blanket statement, everything for everybody. Um, anyways, I digress, but eh, however, no, I think it's, <laughs> yeah. So go ahead, go ahead. No, please you. I just, I do actually think it's important, right? And this idea of making space for everything and having it be a consideration, right? Yeah. That's the first step. And maybe things are changing, things are shifting, but to negate the fact that it was celebratory for you uh, would be, you know, I guess I use the word honesty in a lot of strange, strange ways, but it would be dishonest, mm-hmm. right? So you're like, you know, I've obviously, I'm not going to juxtapose my own experience with other people's, but like I can say from one hand experience, uh, it is, it, I felt stuck and then I got to come into myself or come out and it, I wanted, you know, maybe some of it was being, being seen and, or, you know, being celebrated and being celebrated, I think is like being seen in a positive way, mm-hmm. you know, right. Like just keep like, keep just like kind of going down the tree diagram of what words could actually mean. And, you know, I, that's trans visibility is exactly what you're, you know, talking about being seen, being seen Mm -hmm. and being seen for who you are, me and being seen for who I am. Like that is that, that it makes us feel like we should still be here. I don't know. Right. Like for sure. It means I shouldn't just walk into the ocean. Uh, You've (laughs) seen me. I'm almost like I'm caught now. I've been caught. It's like, you caught me opening the refrigerator. Shit. I was going in for a snack. You've seen me. (laughs) Now I have to, I have to follow through. Now I have to do it. Um, yeah. But what a thoughtful, what a thoughtful, um, I don't know, uh, thing to consider. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks. I, um, 
I try to balance too, like how much of, of the past pain should I share? Is it, are people like sick of hearing it? Uh, are people like wanting to focus on the like now of, okay, now we're, we're in the celebratory phase. We're in the ICU phase. Uh, but I actually think that sharing for me, um, the past is helpful, not only for me to heal, but for other people to kind of get a sense of, oh, the impact of the thing that I said, or the way that this, you know, whatever is structured, I'm thinking synagogue or whatever it might be, could actually be harmful to folks. And as you know, like we mentioned this earlier, like people are making progress and there's still so much to do that I think it's still helpful to name some of those moments of "Mm, this is actually still pretty harmful for folks, Um, you know? I view that through the lens of recovery in which, you know, so, and I say recovery, uh, meaning, uh, I, I was absolutely, I was a heroin user, a substance, anything on the ground, put it in my nose, in my body, in my toes, you know, person, uh, into just abusing, uh, alcohol on every functional level. And so I'm in traditional, like AA recovery, um, through the lens of just like hardened New Yorkers and old timers. Um, and I just, there was no other way for me, but I say that to be like in AA, or in the the lens of recovery that I view my myself through, it's uh, the the beginner is the most important person in the room, and this idea of remembering what it was that brought you into the room, uh, again mirrors some of that for me. When you say that, that's what that what it reminds me of. Like you know, I it's so easy to forget how bad it was. Mm-hmm. It's and then also to not have empathy, right? Like. It's so, it would be so easy for me to like step over somebody on the stairs of New York City and just not saying I haven't already done it still, but like, and to be like, oh, get out of my way, you know, as they're nodding off or struggling with drug addiction, instead of having even baseline of empathy and like maximum, like making sure they're okay. And like maybe calling 311 or carrying Narcan or whatever, you know, like, like there, it is important to remember, I don't know, I think where we come from. And like, that is the problem. Like I, Oh man, Mac, she's about to this. This is the biggest problem with America. We have that built-in forgetter, right? Like we yeah, just oh we just God. keep pretending the things haven't happened. It's like wild. Like America could use some fucking recovery, like AA recovery. We need to go back to the beginning. Um and and the newcomer in the room and listen to their story. And and I I mean there there's there's value in all of it. I you know, and it's we also have to see where people end up. And I mean, it, it is, I, there are levels of, you know, difference, but also not like I could relapse without ever picking anything up. Cause I could go back to hating myself the way that I hated myself before I got sober. Um, right. And that's all sort of internal. That's not external. And that could be the same for, for you, you know, yeah. going back backwards and things aren't linear, but so I, I, you know, find myself being a bratty, a brat when you say, you know, is there value there? You know, and I know you, you have just identified that there is to those beginning stories or the pain. And, but yeah, it's, you know, in recovery, it's experience, strength, and hope. So it's past stuff, uh, it, the stuff that's happening now and we're, or the stuff that, you know, kind of got you there and the way in which you got there. And then the hope is the now you're like the living proof that like, yeah, man, <laughs> you too can have a sexy social radio voice. Okay. <laughs> that sounds right. like you. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. I'm the the thing that actually keeps sticking out to me is this word bratty. 
And I feel like there's like a negative connotation to it, which I'm not sure if that's on purpose or not. But I wonder if there's like a reframe that we can, because it's mm-hmm. like, I think, because I think Braddy, uh, I mean, does have this like negative connotation. But what I'm, what I'm hearing from each time you've described you showing up in this, this identity of brat is actually like um, wanting and expecting the best of people and like, and of humanity is that, is that too far? No, I think that's no. right on. And so I, I, I think, you yeah. know what I mean? Like self-talk is so important. I think for me, especially too, to a little over two years sober of like really mm. being careful about how I'm speaking to myself. And I don't know if brat feels tricky. Well, I, I guess I do say that because I do think there's some naivete because when mm. I go to like one end of the argument spectrum, again, not not a devil's advocate, but like just the other end, when I soften myself, I can feel like, oh, it's like almost like when I'm the best version of the human of myself and I can understand where this person's coming from and where this person's coming from. Mm. And like have all of like, I don't know, it's like the closest I get to being a religious priest. Like I am goodness. I can't really (laughs) fight for anything. Like I feel very like soft. (laughs) So, so I feel like I, put on this you know you're right to say like I think Braddy maybe is a little bit more negative than I should give myself credit for but I I think that I apply it to a naiveness about a little self-righteousness um that again I attribute to just being like younger and full of piss and vinegar and like you know believing in those things but it's also because like I do believe in those things I just think exactly kind of what you just said before is that you got to meet people where they're at and we have to like you know, when we get to have these conversations with people, I want to say, Hey, real quick, I'm going to put on this persona. And it's not that I don't feel this way, but I want you to also feel like there's another part of me that you have access to. So like, this is my bratty opinion about this and this and this, but also like I can watch old man and be like, no, like it's a pretty good thriller. Like actually the writing's pretty good. Like, to be honest, like, I'm just not going to watch it. I don't think it's really important in the world, but like, no, man, like I could see why you like it. You know, whereas the bratty version of myself just makes space. And yeah, maybe there's a better one. But the bratty version of myself is like, everyone should turn it off. It's so dumb. Let's take that money and make something better. <laughs> um, I'll work on her voice. But uh, but, <laughs> but I think I think that the naiveness that people are going to um, always do the right thing or be the best version of themselves. But I think it comes from having seen it. Yeah. Um, and also just knowing that I think it also gives me space to be wrong. Mm. I want, I want to have space to be wrong. I want to have space. I want to be in a, and I want to be in arguments for people with people who have like pretty strong views who then can also pivot away from them. And the stronger we take our views and we, we attach them to our personal identity, I think the smaller chance we ha- we have to getting closer to uh, people as people. Right. So if I give my, if I give my like, uh, my non-wielding advocacy, advocacy self, this persona of bratty, then I can be like, okay, yeah, you know, I can actually see some nuance in that. And then we can talk as humans. If I attach my like advocacy self uh, to like without a separate persona, then I, then it costs me something to be wrong. And if I'm wrong, then like, and you're, you're wrong and we're both wrong or I'm right and you're right and we're both right or whatever, then like, 
you know, me and this imagined person I'm in an argument with, we can never find any middle ground. And so I think, I think it must've been, this is all, I've thought about this at all. This is just, (laughs) this is is me just like trying to act and function. But I think, I think I call it this thing. I think I give her a negative connotation because I, uh, this bratty voice, a negative connotation, because um, maybe she doesn't, maybe she might represent what I want to say and want and, and believe in on certain days, but or on most days, but that I see that there's not a lot of space for uh, a conversation and an argument and, and somebody coming at me with uh, a different viewpoint. Cause if they do, how's that? I mean, I can't, I can't do anything about that. I'm right. You know? Mm-hmm. And so I think it just gives space for, if I give her a negative, if I give this persona a little negative thing, then I can go, yeah, but like, that's not really what I'm, I'm not thinking that a hundred percent. Don't worry. You can still talk to me. Maybe. If that makes, yeah, maybe, maybe I've, split personalities and that's <laughs> and it's thriving um that's not the vibe i'm getting can i i i want to share a maybe a bold observation and i feel like yeah i and feel free to shut it down and i'm not into this i'm not a like therapist i'm not a licensed anything but just the what i what what was really sticking out to me it was reminding me of who my heart's racing matt to t- say this to you <laughs> Um, when I drank, it was the way that you're describing, like, well, that wasn't really me is like, I getting that vibe of like, I like put up a like drunk, my drunk persona was named Breverick. I don't know what Breverick is like where that name came from, but Breverick was like, blame it on Breverick. Like, I don't know. I was blacked out and I was angry. I was mean and I would say things, but then when I was sober, I'd be like, but that wasn't really me. You know, and so it was like there was a disconnect between my like true honest self and like this persona that was, you know, out into the world. And so um, it's taken, I mean, I'm working on it since before being sober, but now that I'm sober, it's like integrating quicker of like, I have to actually be responsible for everything that I say. And I will have to show up in every interaction as authentically as I can. And if not, like I'm, it's like, I, I have to pay for it. There's not like another, even though Breverick is me. Yeah. 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 yeah, I had the disconnect in my heart, in my head. And so I'm just wondering if there's like a, I, I don't know if there's a question here. It's just an observation of like, maybe this is a different kind of like defense mechanism of like, I can't show up authentically. I can't be on substances and like hide in that versus like, is this, is this, overstepping no oh my god no my god no 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 oh, i i think like oh i i think it's probably like a really good call out which i'm like really interested in and like grateful mm. for mm. i think it's probably a good call out i do think that like whatever it is i hope it's a stepping stone then you know mm. if it is like this this into self like first you had to be like oh that was brevic not me now i can function Mm-hmm. And I get to be like, well, that's bratty version of me. Yeah. Um, I'm still likable. Like, I'm sure it probably has something to do with being likable mm. or not feeling confident enough to like stick to maybe one um, uh, thought, you know, or, you know, one particular viewpoint, um, you know, because the bratty version of myself does go away into authentic version of myself, potentially when I'm talking to somebody who just is full of, you know, hate right? Like there is no nuance. I don't have nuance for somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I should, but I, I don't like, you know, I, 
if somebody is just so, I mean, and it, it's gotten me, you know, it, because of lack of, 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 of just seeing someone show up in sort of a hateful, ignorant space, I have just, you know, created boundaries in terms of like losing a mentor and, uh, losing and quitting my job that I had for eight years over the pandemic. And just, you know, there was no more space for that. Mm-hmm. And there was, and I didn't think I was being bratty nor did I think I was overreacting. Um, I, so, you know, that, that is, I just think it's really probably a good call out and probably somewhere in between wanting to be open to dialogue because I also just see, I think I did grow up with like, you know, like people shouting, people shouting every, you know, I'm Italian. So everybody <laughs> shouted all the time. Just, just like water. Uh, it's just like constantly. <laughs> we just don't know how to keep our voices quiet. Um, but uh, I, and, and so, and this idea of, I think also like political rhetoric, listening to people talk over each other and saying the same things and getting nowhere. Um, and I think I want to make space to get somewhere. Yeah. But, but, but also like, I really love this idea that it must be scary to me to be unliked or to not feel like I have enough education or personal experience or whatever to say certain things. And that I over, I call it overcorrecting into this bratty thing. I love that. Good Mm. job. My heart's still pounding. I, well, all I keep picturing is me as like a brat doll with like mm. the big eyes, and like cute little buns and I'm wearing my little space buns right now. So like, she may be a disassociation version of me, but she cute. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm excited to see where that takes me with that. And so I'm really grateful. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you keep me updated. Oh yeah. Great. It'll just get worse. I'll just send you voice memos of like me <laughs> as I'm like from Long doll. Island. <laughs> I was thinking, I don't know about this dubs. This whole, I, she takes over. She is me. That's it. Uh, I don't know if I should be proud of that. Proud that I instigated <laughs> that or horrified. <laughs> be proud. Be totally okay. proud. <laughs> I really think like, you know, God, it's just so funny. Like sobriety for me has just left me in this world of curiosity and every time and it's just so interesting like the wiring around somebody maybe saying something observational to you uh to me to me uh to one um like my defense mechanism growing up well into drinking and drugging just got the moment I sensed it I was just like my defense mechanism was right up and it was just like Oh yeah. Well, let me tell you about you. Mm. Oh yeah. I didn't do my dishes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, like, God, that's so exhausting. And like the gift of sobriety is being able to be like, huh, cool. I wonder if that's true. Or I wonder if there's some merit there. I've wondered if there's some value there. And then me being like, nah, or like, oh yeah. Like I could apply that because it's not threatening to me anymore. And, and it's just like, and it, it is, the re, I mean, all this stuff is, is just like the repatterning of like pathways in your brain. Right. Mm-hmm. So now my brain starts to hear like, instead your heart is pounding and you're like, I have something I might want to say. I'm not sure if you're uncomfortable. And old me probably would have been like, Oh, Oh, oh. and new me was like, Oh my God. I like whatever they're going to say. Like, I was just like, <laughs> I was like, <sighs> open heart. It's going to be great. Arms. Yeah. Like it's just so interesting. And it really is. It just has to be a repatterning. Like I just, I, I, I think I was just so sick and tired and sick and tired of being um, constantly so in defense. Like, man, like, armor is heavy, man. 
armor's heavy. I'm just like a nudist at heart. I just want to walk around naked like that. I don't want that. The armor, I just can't carry it anymore. And then like, what an, every time somebody offers something, it's an opportunity. I think of all this stuff is an opportunity. Sobriety is an opportunity. Being queer is an opportunity. It's all like amazing to me. Where at many, many points in my life, I have been, what the fuck is wrong with you, Mac? You're so weird. I also, you know, want to out myself and say I have borderline personality disorder, which is just like, God damn, Google that. And you're going to be like, oh, man, she crazy. There's no hope for her. But it's it really, I mean, the, the mental health community just thinks borderline people are, are just uh, impossible. And we are. But the opportunity of my diagnosis of borderline, man, I get to go to school, learn how to be a person. I get, you know, there are techniques with uh, DBT dialectic behavioral therapy where like it's so simple. Like one of my favorite techniques with DBT is do the opposite. Doves, this is a technique. It's crazy. You're about to do one thing. You're about to do one thing, anything, any one thing, your first instinct. And the, and the help DBT just goes, hey, man, do this other opposite thing. So you're about to yell at someone. And then you're like, oh, man, I got to do that. What's the opposite of yelling? And then you're like, hey, I just want to let you know that I love you. It's like crazy. Like all you got to do is the opposite. It's like the weirdest game ever. And now I can't really, you can't tell people, you can't really give them the hat because then they know that really what they wanted to say was like, fuck you. But you mean I love you. You know, it's just all these skills. I didn't have them. I don't have them naturally. My brain doesn't work like that naturally. Mm-hmm. And like, really, just all these things, man. I got a broken brain. I love drugs. I, I like all sorts of people to have sex with. You know, I'm just weird. But like, I have all this like opportunity now. It's just great. It's like way better than the opposite. I feel bad, man. I feel bad for like cishet men who are like comfortable in their skin. Come on. How boring. The world is catered towards you. What are you going to discover about yourself? That's unfair. But like, I think it's so much more interesting. Like having had the issues that I've had and the struggles that I've had. And um, I mean, it really sets me up for like every discussion in the world because I get to go, no matter what you tell me, I promise you I've done it, you know, and that that it is probably terrifying to the person across from them, but or the person across from me. But, you know, at this point, I'm 36 years old. I look great. You can you can tell by my voice. Vouch, um, vouching. <laughs> um, and uh, and the world just continues to change and open up and more for me. And I just keep getting to learn more and more and more and more and more about myself, you know. It was not, the world was not, the world was made for me in a lot of ways. Incredibly white presenting, cute. I'm, I don't have any physical disabilities, right? Like, you know, the, the world really did, I mean, set itself up in a lot of ways for somebody like me. But in the ways that it, it didn't and set itself up for, you know, cishet white males uh, who, I don't know, are Christian. I don't know what else things I can say about them. But like whatever that imaginary person is, I actually don't know many of them or any of them. Uh, so that's, I think it's just this, mythological creature that the system set itself up for but um you know like when were they going to give get the opportunity to learn about themselves i don't know Mm -hmm. so then that's why like homeboy be 45 as all kids he don't know nothing about them his wife leaves him he's got to get a a car i don't know like 
that's where these like the pressure cooker of like, you know, I get small doses. I get little vaccines of reality all day long about like who I am and who I'm going to be. Man, I just, I envy the person who is like 60 years old and is like, my life, it's gone. I'm sure I'll still feel that way. Don't worry. But like little by little by little by little, I'm forced to continue to learn about myself. Oh, thank God. And then also choosing to be a creative and an actor. Like I can't comment on the world unless I know who I am. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I just resonated with a lot of what you said and I'm just thinking about, you know, the opportunity to keep learning and growing and how on the one hand, it's so spectacular to have that opportunity. And, um, I also find it to be extremely exhausting for a few reasons. One is, you know, like re repatterning your neural pathways is exhausting. And secondly, it's almost like the same kind of deal when it's like, where have you been? It's like, why can't e- I want everyone to be doing this work? Everyone should be no. doing this work <laughs> um, because it's, it's say so that one, Can you just say it one more time? Can you just say it one more time? Yeah. Everyone should be doing this work. <laughs> everyone should be doing this work because it's so important. And it's like, it's so, listen, it's hard. It's like actually the hardest thing I've ever done is, asking the questions, leaving space for people to be like, you know, can you not take your two and a half hour meeting in the family space where no one can now be in here for two and a half hours? Like this just happened. And my first instinct was to be really defensive. And then I was like, no, you're right. I shouldn't have. Yeah. Been. <laughs> like, yeah, like, that makes sense. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool, that cool, checks cool. out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, you could have come in here and they're like, well, there's no way we would have known that. Like we wanted right. to be respectful of your meeting. You know, they're being so kind. And I, you know, but like, it's so much better to, for folks to be able to advocate for what they need and for everyone not to be on their defenses all the time. But to get there is you have to do the work and understand. And by you, I mean the everybody, you include myself included of like, you know, a lot of times and things aren't personal. Most of the time it's not personal. And most of the time it's just like, we're all just trying to do the best we can. There's a, there's a part in, um, I'm looking at, I always look over to my bookshelf. Um, in the book uh, that Brene Brown wrote, I forget which book it is, but she's talking about how, like, what would it be like if every interaction we just really, truly, authentically assume that that person is doing just the absolute best that they can? Like, how would you, <sighs> how would you then show up to that? Like, if someone's like really late to something, oh instead of getting pissed immediately, being like, what if they like truly are doing the best they can, the train was delayed, or they dropped a thing or like, whatever it might be, like, you would have so much more empathy and kindness and patience for that person. And it's like, that's I so ideal. That. And like, also exhausting to like, <laughs> to give every single person the benefit of the doubt. It's like, Brene, how much energy do you think I have? You know, <laughs> you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm sure they're doing the best they can, but like, can they just show up? Can they just on be on time, time though? But like, my like, <laughs> couldn't they just like, know that like stuff is going to get in their way. And like, maybe they like, shouldn't leave right at 15 minutes. Like they should leave at like 30. Cause like showing up early is not that big of a deal. Cause I learned that showing up early actually prepares me to be better. Why can't they learn that? Yeah. No, but I, I actually, it's so funny. I'll only briefly comment on that. But I said, recently I'm having a weird response with my future employer, future, future. We're going to take it out of context. I'm a gigger. So I take all gigs so just in case, but where I just, I'm just, I'm so unsure of what to do. Mm. And, and I'm showing up to the space by being like, 
do you guys even know what you're doing? Mm. Actually, that happens a lot. I like, you know, I am not bratty, but I am, <laughs> I am so self-righteous sometimes. Do you guys even know what you're doing? Um, yeah, they, they do. But I've been showing it to the space with that attitude. And so I, I changed this. And but, but you just gifted me something so much better. But I changed it. Before I get on a call, I have to sit down and make a five to ten uh, uh, point list of things I'm grateful for about working with them. Mm. It's like, you know, who has the energy for that? But I, I can't. It, it is now costing me too much because I am getting worked up and I am holding resentments and I am not wanting to do the work for a, for a job I'm getting paid well for, mm-hmm. but like, I don't, I don't know. Money is, you know, I'll just make it somewhere else. Uh, says my privilege self. Um, uh, so I just, you know, I, I really, it, I wouldn't even have to work that hard if I just went in with that mindset before I was doing a gratitude list. Like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like, I love how their sense of humor and I love how they just believe that everything's going to work out because, because they're so kind and loving and thoughtful, not because they're irresponsible Mac. (laughs) (laughs) I really relate to that, like self-righteousness. Like I do find myself falling into that trap sometimes of like, just do better. (laughs) Why aren't you doing better already? And it's like, no, 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 no. Let's take a beat a pause, a breath, and maybe they really just, you know, don't have this particular skill. Maybe they don't, they need to flex this muscle or, uh, you know, work on this muscle a little bit more. Maybe having you here is part of how you're, they are helping themselves. You know, like maybe they want you there to learn from you, uh, which also feels a little self-righteous, but I don't mean it in that way. I just mean that we all have our gifts and our experiences and how you even talked about earlier, like how we can't do art when we're not collaborating mostly. Right. And so like, yeah, that that feels like a life collaboration of, you know, giving, like showing up with more, for me, like more empathy and more, um, not why the fuck don't you know what you're doing? Why are you hiring me? And then now you don't know what you're doing of like, how can I be helpful? <laughs> Isn't that oh. just, a, uh, you know, how can I be helpful? <laughs> yeah, it does. I mean, again, that, I mean, it's just so boring. Everything for me relates. So I learned how to be a person at all in general through recovery. And, uh, and you know, that is, you know, the next right action is language that I'm stealing from the big book, which is just like, you're at a party and you're like, all right, like what's the next right action? Like I could be polite to this drunk person and make them feel good. Fine. I could go do dishes. Fine. I could, uh, you know, take take the dog for a walk. Fine. You know, like what are like, but that I need, like, I, I put into practice that like full sentence. So there are times where like things hit you, but there are times where we were like the full sentence is typed out in my brain. I'm like, what is the next right action? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Like, like I couldn't have dreamed it up unless I thought of the whole thing. It's just not a reflex. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, you know, that's the undoing. That's the exhausting part. And you know what? There, I think a lot of it is like, in terms of the exhaustion, it ends up being an accumulation, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you are resilient enough. And I mean, you, you are resilient enough to handle anything that's on fire, right? Like if anything were to happen, like maybe not literally, I don't know your firefighting skills, but like, (laughs) you know, you could handle anything that came your way. Like you're, you've been on this planet enough that like you could, um, but then it's, but it's often not big things. It's often for me, then I'll change it back to me. For me, it's often not big things. It's a bunch of small things and an accumulation of a year of small things. 
mm-hmm. or a lifetime of small things. And like, that is what makes us tired. You know, God forbid, again, I'm speaking from a, like a cute white head presenting body, you know, like I, you know, like how exhausting for me, fuck me. And if I'm this exhausted, God damn, you know, mm, it, it's know. an accumulation of things. I know. Yeah, it is. It's a, a, an example I give when I'm teaching around microaggressions is like one mosquito bite. Unless you're like deathly allergic, mm-hmm. it's not going to ruin your day. It's not going to end, you know, the world. But when they, when the bites happen over and over and over and over, they accumulate, right? And then Ugh. it becomes unbearable. It becomes unbelievably painful and annoying and unlivable. Um, and so how can we reduce those mosquito bites as much as, as much as we can? And um, that's why I implore everyone to do this work, because I think once we're all on that like level of level of is not maybe the right way to frame that, but uh, like mindset of, you know, always being open, always being curious of, well, why is this the way that it is? Or what is the next best thing that I can be doing right now? Um, you know, I think we would all be in a little bit of a better place. And I'm, I love that analogy and I'm going to take that and I'll TM you, see, see, copyright you. Um, <laughs> I really, I really like that. And then to piggyback on that, like when there are a bunch of bug bites, where's your cow mine lotion? Like there's yeah. repair, there's repair. Yeah. And I think that also continues to happen in this world where like people want everything to be better, better, better. Um, or like, right. What, whatever the work might look like. And again, I'm not exempting myself from any of this treacherous, you know, climbing, but you know, whatever that is, it's not, it's not overnight, man. It's not overnight. It's not even like, sorry. It's not even like six week workshop. Mm-mm. It's like, it's like, a, it's like a, a whole life practice. It's oh, a life man, practice. Sucks. And I want to lift up the word practice. It's a, it's a practice, right? It's like, we are constantly working on it. We are practicing. We're going to fuck up because we're human beings. Mm -hmm. And like, how do we show up in the fuck up? Ready for this? Ready? I'm going to circle it back. Me, my bratty self is me trying to practice to see if it's safe to become my authentic self. I mean, obviously you sort of said Mm. that in a lot of ways, but that think that like rounds it for me. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, cause a lot of what I, you know, do is like, as a, as a gigger, as a creative, like, what does that mean in the same way? I don't know what it means to like work in finance. I don't mm-hmm. think a lot of people know what it means to be a creative because you are crafting your own life. And how do you craft? There's no one, there's no set path that came before you. And then, especially if you are, uh, you know, 36 years old and you are, uh, maybe not wanting to get married, maybe wanting to get married, whatever, like not wanting to have kids. Wanting, like There is no set path, you know? And so what does that look like? Um, and I think a lot of it is trying something on for size and then getting rid of it. And I, mm-hmm. so, I think, I think some of also the, the brattiness is me getting nervous about taking on an identity too strongly and then not being able to get rid of it because it's too much. Like, you know, drinking for me was a strong identity yo, I was fucking great at it until I wasn't, but like I was, you know, I could, you know, drink Smirnoff Raz when I was 17 out the bottle without flinching. Or like I was the person who, you know, didn't flinch when you got a shot of Jameson and, oh yes, I'll have another Fernet, you know, like, like I, I love being the beer drinking, 
you know, whiskey drinking, uh, girl and a group of guys, man. I loved that. Mm-hmm. I loved that. Um, man, that identity did not serve me at all. And so getting rid of that was really, 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 really hard. It took me 10 years. Mm-hmm. It took me 10 years to get rid of it. I've now, I'll, you know, God willing, I'll be sober uh, three years, October 6th this coming year. Yeah. It just, yeah. It's it, before I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so far in advance. It's just, man, I just have like a, you know, my, it's just habits, man. My habits are. And also like my, I just am so happy to be sober. Like, Oh God, everything was so fucking exhausting before. Yeah. And I, I, you know, of course I have my days where I want to check out, but now I have other skills and I just go to bed and I don't know, whatever. Um, but I, I just, I, I cannot, like, I would not be on this call with you right now having this like lovely conversation that I just am in love with right now. But if I wasn't sober, every, everything in my life that I have, everything is because I'm sober. And, you know, it's so boring to listen to somebody who's sober, talk about how sober they are. It just really, it's like, there's nothing more boring. So like anybody who's like, I'm about to turn this off because this girl just won't stop talking about sobriety. I get it, man. But I just, I'll say it one more time. Like the gifts of sobriety just keep giving. And Mm -hmm. it really, and I'll translate that if we have language, the gifts of blatant and constant and consistent honesty and work just keep giving. There, There were only two options for me. It was finally fucking stop or die. And that, and and my last bottom was the most boring bottom ever. I was on a hike. I was on a hike with the the male that I was in love with. And I just said, Hey, I think I'm going to stop drinking. And that was like my eighth or ninth time, but that was my last bottom. My bottom before that, I like was on the train tracks in New York city. My bottom before that I woke up in a hotel or in a, in an apartment that was totally fucking white with no furniture. I didn't know where I was in Chicago. Right. Like, you know, like, all of these bottoms, but like my last bottom was so boring. I was on a beautiful hike in Beacon, New York. It's one of my favorite places in the world. And I was like, I'm either going to die. I'm in love right now. I'm in love. And I'm either going to die or I have to stop drinking. So boring. Oh, yeah. I think it's, well, I think it's so interesting that you share like the different kinds of like bottom, bottom moments. Yeah. Because I think. For me, I was under the impression for a long time that it had to be some kind of like on the train tracks, not knowing where I am kind of moment. Um, But I just like woke up in my bed the next day from like drinking alone in my bedroom um, and was really hungover. And I was like, this is enough. Mm. I can't do this anymore. Why do I keep doing this? And that was it. You had such a lovely... I mean, I got to witness it on social media, so I didn't get to, I didn't get to witness it, um, obviously, by experiencing you. But it was this, like, slow unpacking of, like, I'm going to try this thing out for a while. Yeah. It, it was your bratty yep. face. I was- <laughs> yeah, you're right. It was. You, you know what? You're exactly right. I was like, I don't know if I, I even, because I actually just reread it, um, some of my posts, and it was like, I don't know if I'm going to do this forever, because I was I gave myself an out. And as you still should, yeah. I mean, like forever is like, oh my God, like how people get married. It's like, what, what forever. Uh, but like, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot. And I, you know, I even had a, a really good girlfriend of mine who helped me, uh, helped me with fucking sober, which is the, the podcast that was mentioned at the very beginning, mm-hmm. um, who sort of scared me one time. Cause, uh, she has been sober 
you know, also, I'll also say that sobriety led me to the queer community in a way that I am very, very grateful for. I just, you know, I, I'll just sort of tangent that real quick. But uh, I watched, I got to be with this queer, beautiful artist. Uh, she's a super, super close friend of mine. Her name's Katie Burke. Um, you guys should look her up. She could do it, literally anything. Um, it's wild. Uh, but Katie Burke had a conversation with me once and we were talking, we were walking. She goes, you know, sometimes I just, you know, I think maybe I'll go back to drinking because my brain's so different. I'm like, I'll be fine. And I got really scared by that because I didn't hear it as like a maybe. I kind of was like, oh, is she? Oh my God, she's in trouble. I've been wired a certain way, kind of from AA, which is, has served me in a lot of ways and doesn't serve me in other ways. Um, but what she was saying was, what Katie was saying in the moment is that like, her relationship with herself is mm-hmm. so different and her relationship th- with the way her brain metabolizes her life is so different and maybe even might metabolize like literal the chemicals uh, in an alcoholic beverage, right? It might be different. She's not going to, mm-hmm. but that's interesting. But like, why dabble with that? You know, there's no reason to, but I just thought it was like one of those things. Like I know, I actually know a fair amount of people who, you know, drink light L I T E. I just like, I just don't, I just, I don't need it, man. And also now like we got all sorts of crazy shit. Like I got fake whiskey in my house. It just basically tastes like, um, kind of like Robitussin, which I liked. Um, (laughs) anybody who's ever done a robo trip. I mean, yum. (laughs) A little ice on it. It's good. Um, I just don't know why I would. There are so many options now where I feel like I'm enjoying yeah, the thing that I need. But but I, I think that out is important in a lot of ways. Right. Which like, yeah, I don't know if all schools of thought, you know, work that way, but really what it ends up doing like, oh, this happened last night. This happened last night. I'm almost three years sober. I've been doing this for 10 years um, that, where I'm in an actor house. I'm doing a show in Western Massachusetts just as an actor. Uh, and so we're in an act. They sequester us in like a, a dorm, basically in this house. It's very cute. But in the fridge, somebody who's here before left a white cloth. And I open the, and every time I open the fridge, I notice the white cloth. I just notice it. And I love me some bubbles. Okay. And last night, three years of sobriety, I asked my, uh, my other roommate, I said, Hey, are you going to drink this white cloth? Cause if you are, you know, uh, I'm just, you know, if you are, then I'll leave it. And he goes, Oh no, I don't drink that. I said, cool. So I opened it up and I poured it out because I don't need to be distracted by that shit. I Mm -hmm. am, I am probably not going to drink it but I don't need it in the house. Mm-hmm. And I have no problem with the whiskey that's sitting in the cabinet. I have no problem with, you know, people drinking in front of me. I love going to bars. I actually, when I often go out, I have a DD, a designated drunk. You better be doing that whiskey and a uh, beer deal. You know, I love DDs. You better get, be getting drunk. You know, you get to, um, but it's that relationship to honesty. And it's that like me being like, Oh my God, like this, this, like who I don't need to show how, strong I am just fucking throw it out yeah because I found myself going going uh, giving my attention to that thing now like was I close to drinking no but it's that it's that first level of honesty by being like it has my attention it's like looking like a I don't know it's like a cute intern when you married like oh yeah she cute yeah but don't take her out to lunch okay like don't do that it's gonna get you in trouble you know, but be honest with yourself. I find that person attractive or I find that alcoholic beverage attractive. It's that denial of the thing that gets us in trouble. Yeah. It's me being like, oh, I'm definitely not, I'm not going to drink that. I'm sober. Yeah, man. I don't know. Yeah. Or like, I, I, I'm not attracted to her. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. 
then you you're making out on the fucking Xerox machine later because it feels hot and passionate and your marriage is ruined. How boring. How boring when all you could have done was just have a relationship to honesty in the beginning. Yeah. And it doesn't make me less sensitive or, or less sober that um, I thought for a second I might, you know, want to get rid of that thing. Anyway, yeah. yeah. I um, I was at my brother's house this weekend and he um, had a glass of whiskey and he left it on the, the counter. And like I was never... It never crossed my mind to even think about drinking it, but I smelled it. Why I smelled it, I don't know. I don't know. But it was like, why the fuck did you just do that? This smells so fucking good. I can picture the way that it feels and tastes. But then I was done. And I was like, yeah, moving on. And I just like, and then I like didn't think about it again until just now. Um, I so relate with that. It just was so like, often. Yeah. I felt like very, um, I think there was a moment as I sniffed it, I was like, oh, fuck, I love this. And then I walked away and then it was over. But like, um, I don't but, know. But I think that's it. Like it had it, like it doesn't, it didn't stop with the, I love this. You walked away and then it was over. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's the same in the analogy of like the cheater. It's the same person being like, damn, she hot. And then being like, great. I'm going to go home and go to my family or whatever, like yeah. in this monogamous relationship that I've made up. Right. Like that, that's, that's the thing, you know, it's the, it's the pretending you didn't do the thing. That's part of it. You know, it's the, I don't, I don't know, like I, overreacting to the thing that could have been a problem too, like fire the intern or whatever. Like you're, you know, where you're at in terms of your spreading, what you can function. And also it's a nonlinear, right? Like on certain days, it might be like literally be nothing. And on other days, like, Bing, bing, bing. I walk into a room and I'm like, I'm like fucking beautiful mind. I'm like, this is this. I know where this alcohol thing is. This alcohol thing is this alcohol thing is. And then like the moment I like, I'm awful. Like I'll walk into a house that I know I'm going to stay at. And the first thing I do is open the medicine cabinet. Cause I want to know immediately. And then I go, Hey, this axiom, can you put it in your room? Cause like, I want to take it. I'm not going to, right? But like, why play with it, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And I just want to normalize. I think it's like the same thing. Like, I don't want people to live in fear that I'm going to like go do something, but I just go, hey, this is how we, uh, this, is, this is how we create a safe space, you know, for me. Yeah. Well, I really just appreciate knowing what you need and being able to advocate for yourself of like, yeah. I'm not going to do this, but can you just like help me by taking this out of the room? Yeah, I think it's the same thing of being like, if someone's like, I'm on a diet, don't like put a chocolate cake in front. Uh, I don't know. Like if somebody says they don't want to be eating sugar or whatever, then don't make a chocolate cake and put it on the kitchen table. Now, whether or not you have shit in your cabinets or another, or another thing, but if you know, you just, you have, you have to figure out what it is that you need. And at that time, yeah, you right, know, right. I, yeah, that's just it. And so you just, it's exhausting. You have to constantly be re- recalibrating your relationship to honesty. Mm-hmm. It's again, one of those things where it's exhausting, but so worth it. But um, yeah, worth it. Like, what is the other option? Like you don't do it. God damn it. Yeah. That's going to cause some trouble. Uh, Mac, I just looked at the clock. I know. And me too. we are, we are on a roll, the best kind of roll. Um, <laughs> like a, like a potato roll, but not a Martin's potato roll. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, 
So I have totally to move us into our lightning round. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, but got to have you back for part two at some point. Just, I'm very horny about all this whole conversation. It's just so good. <laughs> like so good. intellectual prowess is just it. Mm. Thank you so much mm. for all of this. Thank you. All right. So this is lighthearted. Uh, most of them are open-ended because I was called in very beautifully that most of my questions have been so binary. So I opened them up because as one does. Okay. So if you could name your own crayon, what would you name it? Uh, uh, dancing fire. It's orange. Beautiful. Favorite time of day. Oh, I am a, like a, I'm an early morning 5am-er. Mm. I love that shit. Okay. I do not. Favorite current <laughs> queer media representation. Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, you know who I uh, really... Okay, I'm about to go old school. That's okay. I just love Jennifer Beals so much. It was just like so, it's so, and still now, so hot for me. Um, Let's see. Anybody else like more current? We have so many good examples. Uh, Oh, you know who I actually, as an artist and as a queer representative and just super horny for? Alan Cummings. I'm just like super, super, mm. super horny for him. Amazing. I love yeah. that. A song that makes your heart sore. Uh, uh, um, uh, <laughs> um, Tadric Hall has a song called Both that I jam to every day. Um, it's called I Can Do Both. And it's I'm not really the target demographic, but it feels really good. Uh, you guys should jam to that song. I ran a marathon listening to that song. Literally almost that only that song. Wow. Okay. Definitely got to check that out. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> Favorite beverage. Uh, I'm super into bubbles and, I, uh, uh, Nix, N-I-X-I-E, Nixie maybe like has a watermelon mint. Hmm. Put a little ice on it. Man, hmm. that's just summertime. Beverage, get some, get some mint. Get crazy. Wow. Go ahead. You're welcome. <laughs> Favorite quote. Oh, you just got Man, so mad. I did get mad. I did get Your mad. face changed. I, I'll, I'll go with, I, I just, so, it's so embarrassing, man. Some of the things we like gravitate to, but um, I have a tattoo on my upper thigh. Um, So Charles Bukowski is a, a, a artist and a writer and a poet. Uh, he's like a really angry white male drunk um, who I just fucking love. Um, uh, he on his uh, tombstone, has a boxer that says underneath it, don't try. And it's about not trying to force things. It's not like, you know, taking a square peg and fitting it around hole that like the artist's journey is really kind of fluid. And so don't try. It's tattooed on my upper thigh, which I don't know also means something else. Maybe I didn't even mean it for that to happen, but like, don't try right next to my vagina. Charles Bukowski. That's it. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, I love that. And one binary question I could not get rid of bagels or donuts. Oh yeah. This is a super binary question and it's donuts for sure. Well, that's all the time we have. Cause it's actually <laughs> bagels. Just kidding. <laughs> um, you know, to each their own, to each their own, but bagels is the right answer. Yeah. But like, <laughs> but you know, like mm, donuts, donuts has been coming up more and more and I need to investigate uh, how and why that is. And I need to screen my guests more thoroughly. Just kidding. Um, Mac, this has been so incredible and such a, a rich and 
like rich and just like invigorating I think is a word to describe this conversation yeah yeah truly I if anybody can muscle through this I feel like um they will they will have to look at themselves too and we're sorry about that I'm sorry yeah well I'm sorry too but also you're welcome yeah also you're welcome (laughs) uh Mac thank you for coming out (gasps) you're welcome thank you for coming out